new CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And just like that, we're back. Another episode. Is it an episode? Is it a podcast? Whatever you want to call it. This is Late Kick Extra. I'm Josh Pate. Happy to talk to you bright and early on this Tuesday morning. I'm still down in Georgia. Got to go vote today. I don't know if you've heard. If you live in this state, there's no way you haven't. But we have a Senate runoff today. And that concludes our political coverage on the podcast this morning. Got a lot of college football to talk about. We have got probably as many rumors floating around about coaches into January as we've ever had. It's just a different timetable this year. I don't need to explain that to you. But because of that, we've got a lot of questions about such things this morning. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to get a number of your questions out of the way. This is a Q&A format. We do these twice a week on top of Late Kick Live, which we do Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, which continues to do I mean, when I tell you the number I'm about to tell you, it should blow your mind because it blew mine. We continue to do incredible traffic on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We doubled our traffic November to December on the YouTube channel. No caveat, no games. That just really happened. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much because it makes us look like we're essentially handing out lottery tickets over there. We have a line out the door every single day, digitally, of course. So that's been really fun to watch. And with more growth, obviously, comes more opportunities and more resources allocated so we can do more things, which works for everyone. One more quick reminder before we dive in this morning. Uh, the There's something going on with Apple Podcasts right now. So I, I see you guys giving the five-star reviews. Uh, that number keeps going up, although it fluctuates because something's wrong on their end, not your end or my end. And if you are submitting written questions in the podcast review section, for whatever reason right now, we can't get them. That's been a problem going on, I've noticed, for a couple of weeks now. Um, it's really weird because, you know, if you work for Apple Podcasts, I don't know. That seems to me that that's the only thing you have to do over there. I don't know. Things may be frozen, though. So whenever that rectifies itself, I imagine that I'm going to get about uh, 750 questions that just dump all over me at one time. And that's fine. We can answer them. It's a long off season. So with that in mind, uh, follow me on Twitter at LateKickJosh. That's another way to get to me. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. Email inbox, Twitter DMs, always open. So let's dive in this morning because there is a topic of conversation that is really hot right now. It's not going away, at least until a definitive word is given by Dan Mullen, and that is whether Dan Mullen's going to leave for the NFL or not. So Freddie asked about this, but a lot of you asked about it. I'm just going to use Freddie. He says, how legitimate do you think the smoke is around Dan Mullen going to the NFL? I think it's legitimate, Freddie. Now, uh, let's compartmentalize this. So Let's ask ourselves, independent of the NFL, independent of whether he's going to get a, an actual offer or not, let's ask ourselves this. Do you and I think Dan Mullen would be willing to go to the NFL? I think the answer is yes. That's no different than a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches would take the offer if given. Most of them never get an offer. It's really hard to get one of those jobs. There are only 32 of them at any given time. Now, here is the second and I think more interesting question that you could ask. Compartment number two includes this question. 
Is he actively looking to get to the NFL? Is he actively looking to leave Florida? I think the answer there is also yes. I've heard this for a while now. I don't know that this is even the first year, uh, but I can assure you, as far as I know, yeah, I think that's been happening for a few months now. I think he's been setting that up and been angling towards that for a few months. Again, I have no inside information as to whether he's going to get an offer. I mean, no one does. But most people who tell you they do are lying to you. So that's an NFL front office's decision ultimately. But I think you will have news and be sure to follow real Twitter accounts, people, not fake ones. That fake D Orlando Ledbetter had you guys, uh, hmm, some of you look foolish the other day. And by you, I mean a lot of national media outlets that ran with it. So um, Falcons interview that was tweeted out, I thought that was fake, uh, and it was. But having said that, that doesn't mean he couldn't interview with the Falcons. It doesn't mean he hadn't already. You never know what's happened. A lot of this stuff could happen via Zoom. So I think we'll hear about that. And I also think that uh, before this comes to an end, there's going to be at least one serious run made by an organization at Dan Mullen. That's my personal thought. I have no clue if he ends up taking a job. I have no clue if he ends up getting offered a job. But what does it mean? That's really because we don't care about the NFL on this particular podcast. We're talking about college football and right now the University of Florida. What does it mean? Well, I'll tell you this first off. If I were one of you guys, if I were a Florida fan and I were watching this, there would be rapidly approaching a point where it was no return. So I guess you'd call it the point of no return. And that point of no return for me would be where this flirtation with the NFL and this longing to be in the NFL has uh, become so publicly known that I wish he'd just go ahead and go. I'm, I'm rooting for him to get the job, in other words. I don't know if you guys have reached that point yet, but what you're thinking there is obviously twofold. Number one, yeah, you want a guy that's fully dialed into your job. Yes, you want that. But number two, the lifeblood of this whole thing, the whole thing that makes the operation go is recruiting. And the one impediment, and it's a mild impediment, uh, relatively speaking, it's a mild impediment that Dan Mullen in Florida have had is the inability to recruit at a truly elite level. Now, having said that, when I say relative, man, 95% of the sport would love to recruit like Florida does. So they certainly haven't been poor. It's, it's normally explained to you as either you're great or you're terrible. Well, that's, that's not the case with Florida. They've been good to very good in recruiting. However, that's been the gripe. The gripe is, well, we're going to have to out-execute and out-coach folks on game day uh, like Georgia if we play Alabama like Alabama because we're not quite going to match their roster. And that's okay. You did it with Georgia this year. You competed really hard with Alabama this year. You won the East. Fill in the blank. I mean, you did a lot of things this year. Uh, but now, if you already were one step behind there and opposing staffs can go out on the recruiting trail and just take web articles, newspaper clippings, tweets that confirm, hey, your head coach really doesn't even want to be there at Florida, and they can put it in the in the face of a mom or a kid or a dad or an uncle or an aunt and say, I'm going to be where I'm going to be. I'm, I'm Kirby Smart. I'm going to be at Georgia. I'm Shane Beamer. I'm going to be at South Carolina. However, I don't know that this Dan Mullen guy is going to be there that much longer. And uh, if you want evidence, here it is. Don't take my word for it. He's already tried to get out of there. That becomes a problem if you let it. And unfortunately, there seems to be no quiet way to go about anything anymore. Uh, Dan Mullen, it doesn't appear, can quietly shop his name to NFL teams. It gets out. It's just too many guys covering and girls covering the sport, especially that part of it, the coaching search part of it on both sides, NFL and college. Just too many people uh, too too many folks willing to talk uh, that have information. And so it really doesn't stay quiet. It's the same way that Texas had their hand forced when they went after Urban Meyer and it didn't stay private. You know, had they gone after Urban Meyer, he turned him down, but that never got out. I think Tom Herman probably still be the head coach at Texas right now, but it did get out. 
And so they had to look themselves in the mirror at Texas. I think given the circumstances, they made the right call. And that call was to say, all right, well, it's obvious that we want out of this marriage with Tom Herman and everyone knows it. So we went after our dream candidate. We got turned down. But that doesn't mean we're going to turn around and say, all right, Tom, I guess it's still death do us part. That's not they reach their own point of no return is my point. And so they went and said, who's next? And Steve Sarkeesian is who they went and got. So once they realized they had crossed that threshold, line in the sand, point of no return, however you want to deem it, they made a move. So I'm not saying they're there at Florida or anything like that. I'm just saying if I were a fan of the Florida Gators, that would probably be my mentality right about now. Now, I can tell you talking to someone, um, man, I don't even know how to describe this person, who is in that world, the hiring, coaching search type world. I was told yesterday that is the domino that a lot of people in the coaching industry and the representation industry, if you will, that's what people are waiting on. People are waiting to see what happens with the Florida job. The Florida job is one of the most coveted jobs in college football. Back in the day, I remember reading a story one time about how Paul Bear Bryant used to talk about the University of Florida. Florida was really nothing at that point. Uh, and he was talking about, well, he was being asked about how powerful Alabama was and how they were running the SEC and running college football. No different than it feels today in a lot of ways. The difference is, Bryant told a reporter, whoever it was, he said, really, um, we're, we're all just here hoping that no one ever gets it figured out at Florida. Because if anyone ever gets it figured out at Florida, we're all done. Now, uh, the sport's a little bit different in landscape today, but the point remains, everyone in the coaching world looks at the University of Florida and thinks, man, I'd win huge there. Uh, Dan Mullen is one. He's one big there. But there are other people who know that they can recruit at that elite level and especially could do it with all the talent right there on your doorstep at Florida. You can throw a rock out of the window and hit a signing class that would land in the top 10 just by default. So um, a lot of people are waiting on that. And I'm not just talking about head coaches. Assistant coaches look at it and say, OK, if Mullen leaves, then they'll have a new head coach. And there are guesses out there as to who it would be. I've got some that that'll come at the appropriate time if the time comes. And so um, the assistant coaching world out there, the player personnel world, the analyst world out there, they're all waiting because they'd all want to be on that train. That's why, to be honest with you, when you make that hire, I wouldn't even necessarily worry about how deep a guy's network of contacts is. Just hire the best coach because you'll find whoever you want to find to put on that coaching staff. Now, let me just, before I move on, let me offer up a little anecdote. Uh, again, anecdote, purely anecdotal here. This is not scientific by any stretch, but anytime I want to gauge how a job is looked at and how a current head coach is looked at, what I do is I'll just reach out to rival fans. Uh, sometimes if it's in the Southeast, inevitably I will have buddies that are rival fans of any program that we're talking about. And it's no different with Florida. I got a bunch of Georgia buddies. I grew up in Georgia. So I did a little unofficial straw poll yesterday and I was asking them, hey, uh, Dan Mullen at Florida right now versus the idea of Dan Mullen leaving. Which would you rather have? Now, you would think if you live in uh, Montana, for example, you would think, hmm, I watch college football and uh, Georgia got beat by Florida this year. So I bet those Georgia fans are probably excited at the prospect of Dan Mullen leaving. No, they're not. No, 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 no. They look at this year and they first off, Georgia folks think to themselves, hey, had we started JT Daniels at quarterback earlier, then we would have beaten Florida this year. But even as it stands, they view it as a one year hiccup, just a little minor setback. Things will return to normalcy in 2021. Uh, there is no changing of the guard or anything like that. What they love is they love the recruiting edge that they know they will probably always enjoy over Dan Mullen at Florida. It would scare them a little bit. See, they, they have confidence they can handle Mullen. They have confidence that 
Florida under Mullen is a program they'll always be superior to roster-wise. That They have that confidence. They don't like the idea of that job being open because folks in Georgia are plenty smart enough to understand, ooh, man, that job's premier. That job's, that's a big deal. And that means big-time candidates are going to want it. And if Florida screws around and they end up hiring the right guy, well, that could be big-time trouble for us. You know, they, they had mild concerns when Tennessee was open, but not as nearly as much as they would have with Florida being open. So just keep a little eye on that because I can tell you the folks in Tallahassee who have a litany of their own problems right now, the folks in Coral Gables, I would guess they probably feel the same way, even though they don't enjoy any leg up on Florida right now. They just look in their own mirror and say, okay, if we ever get it on track, then Mullen's a guy that and we feel like we can compete against. We don't want Florida to end up hiring like Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer 2.0, something like that. All right, next up, Otto, right here, fresh from the Twitter inbox. He says, I'm not sure if this is late kick extra worthy. Well, let me spoil it for you, Otto. It is. He continues, what would your response have been if this time last year I told you Mac Jones of Alabama would be starting in the national championship against Justin Fields in Ohio State with Mac having completed more passes than Fields had even attempted? Well, I would have thought easily that Justin Fields had been injured and came back late in the year. Now, that's without knowing that we were going to have a shortened season and one team was going to play like uh, 55% more games or 45% more games, whatever the fraction. I'm very bad with percentages. Um, that, Ohio State didn't play as many games, point being. So that obviously takes care of the discrepancy in pass attempt, pass complete, percentage. Well, not so much percentage, but the other two, yeah, that takes care of that. So I would have been wrong in my assumption of injury, but hey, let's just say this right quick. Think about the first part of this question. So let, let's ignore the Justin Fields part for just a second. You asked, what would you do this time last year if I told you Mac Jones would be starting the national championship game? Where were we this time last year? We were watching Alabama not in the playoff for the first time. And why was that? Because Tonga Bailoa had gotten hurt. Mac Jones had come in. And even though he performed pretty admirably, they got beat in the Iron Bowl because he threw, I can't remember how many interceptions. I was on the field for him. I can tell you they were crazy. One in a million Bob bounce of ball type plays. I mean, one of them bounced up off Najee Harris's back into a defender's arms. I think Auburn had two pick sixes that day. So they weren't in the playoff, period. And so if I was looking at that, and I was saying, okay, now you're going to lose Jerry Judy. You're going to lose Henry Ruggs. Tonga Vailoa obviously is gone. Jedrick Wills, guys like that, they're all going to be gone. And um, Tonga Vailoa obviously being the quarterback out of there, like you're going to, what? You're going to go to the national championship next year? Well, that's interesting. And so independent of Justin Fields, I would have found that very remarkable. Not impossible, it's Alabama, but remarkable nonetheless. And uh, let's continue that whole theme. Where were we this time last year? Well, right now it's early January. That means the early signing period had already passed. That means Bryce Young, five-star quarterback, uh, number one player in the country in this last cycle, he had signed with Alabama. You know as well as I do what the foregone conclusion was in a lot of people's minds, and that is that guy's the starting quarterback for Alabama this year. Like Mac Jones, he he held things down when he needed to. I'm sure that they'll have a nice little battle, but I mean, Bryce Young, he is a generational talent, and he will be the starting quarterback there. And not only did he not grab the job from Mac Jones, it was never really strongly rumored that they were battling 50-50 or anything like that. So um, Mac Jones is a really good story, is what I'm telling you. I know he's gotten a lot of coverage. He's a Heisman finalist. Like he's gotten he's gotten his due praise. But I think that probably a little bit of time is going to be needed, the benefit of, of hindsight, to understand how significant this was. And, uh, you know, Bryce Young, he's still there. Uh, he's, he's the guy that I still have a lot of, a lot of expectation for. But, man, 
he had to wait at least one year and he had to wait for very good reason because I mean Mac Jones did the impossible to me he made Alabama's offense better than it was last year I flat out think they're better never in a billion years did I think I'd say that you know what we actually had one more question that ended up being okay here it is so so Jeffrey asked and you'll see what I was mumbling about in just a second to myself so Jeffrey asked What's one of the best college football stories you've ever heard from a player or from an assistant coach or even a head coach? So this is a Nick Saban story. Uh, that's why I tagged it onto the Alabama talk there. So I was in a setting with Saban one time. This was a little while ago. This was a few years ago. And so he's telling a story. Uh, it was the middle of the offseason. Everything was kind of loose. And so um, it was it was a it was very relaxed setting, shall we say. And so he starts telling a story, he being Nick Saban, about how, you know, occasionally they try and go back home to where they're from in West Virginia. He and his wife, Terry, Miss Terry, excuse me, they're from West Virginia. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's from up there. A whole lot of coaches are from up there. And so he's telling a story about how they went back home one time and they're riding around. And there's a guy that she used to date before she dated Nick Saban and ended up marrying him. And he still lives up there in West Virginia, wherever they're from. And so he is, uh, now he's stretching this story out a good five or 10 minutes. I'm just going to tell you the condensed version of it. So he says, man, we're riding around and we're saying, you know, let's, let's go over to this place or that place. Hey, let's go check the old service station. And so they go by there and the guy that she used to date is working at the service station. I think he may run it. Um, so, you know, he's not out there wiping windows or anything like that. Certainly not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, that's, that's work I would have given anything to have a few years ago. And so they ride by there. And sure enough, running the gas station is the guy that Terry Saban used to date. And so Nick Saban's telling this story. And you can tell when someone's BSing you and when they're telling a real story. I can tell. I can tell in his eyes and in his tone this was real because he wasn't even smiling. And so he says, I turned to her and I said, well, look at that. Aren't you glad you made the decision to go with me when you did? Aren't you glad things turned out the way they did? And she, without hesitation, looks back at him and says, what are you talking about? Had I gone with him, he'd be the head coach at Alabama and you'd be working at this gas station right now. And when I tell you, you know, you got to imagine a, a Nick Saban, for example, delivering that. When I tell you that there probably wasn't a dry eye in that room for about 10 minutes, I'm dead serious. Like I am, um, I'm someone who doesn't laugh at a whole lot of stand up comedy. I just don't think it's great. And I laugh at a lot of stuff, but stand up comedy, you know, someone trying to make me laugh, in other words, it rarely works. Well, that worked. That was a solid, solid 98 on a scale of 100 type story. So uh, that's one that I think was very fitting, given the question. And by the way, I'm not so sure that uh, she wasn't dead on the money. Jamie's got a really good question. I had to go dig in a box over here in my bedroom and dig out a preview magazine for this one. There's a lot that we got in 2020, so let's be thankful we had a college football season. However, you and I also understand there's a lot we didn't get because the schedule got turned upside down. And Jamie's asking about that. Like, what did we miss? Think on it just a second, and I'll break it down after this. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. 
Download follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attack and Search. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. So Jamie says, out of the games that were scheduled that didn't get played, which one do you think that we missed the most? I think this one's easy at the very top. And uh, maybe you guys don't even remember the out-of-conference schedules at this point. Ohio State was supposed to play at Oregon. And that was going to be week two, I think. Either week one or week two of the season. That would have been interesting. I mean, obviously, for many reasons. Now, given what we ended up seeing from Oregon, you may think that it wouldn't have been all that competitive. And Ohio State would have been a favorite in that game anyway. But what we would have at least seen very early on is we would have seen Ohio State in a losable situation early on. Which... As a result, we didn't. You thought that was going to be the Penn State game, but it really ended up not being that. Now, here's what's funny. Normally, by the second, third, and at latest, fourth week of the season, you get all the big out-of-conference games out of the way, and everyone dives into conference play. Well, Notre Dame in a normal year, and any other year, actually, not in a conference. So they were going to play Clemson November 7th. And as fate would have it, that game still happened. And we remember what happened in the regular season. Uh, Do you remember any of these other games? Texas was supposed to play at LSU. That would have been a huge day for Texas because, I mean, I got to believe if Mike Leach went in there and handled LSU, so too would the Texas Longhorns. And how different would Tom Herman's season have looked had they gotten a big win early in the year, or at least big on paper? Now, the one that I was looking really forward to and I was scheduled to go to was Notre Dame versus Wisconsin in Lambeau Field. That was October 3rd, first week in October. So, I mean, they were going to play, they being Notre Dame, they were going to play Wisconsin. They were going to play Notre Dame. That was going to be really, really good. And there was a game that wasn't really going to matter a whole lot, I guess, on the national scene. It wasn't going to move the needle coast to coast. But I'll tell you one I was looking forward to, and that's Auburn versus North Carolina. It was in Atlanta. It was going to be in week two. They were going to do two weeks worth of those Chick-fil-A opening games. Uh, And You can't get enough Chick-fil-A, can't get enough Chick-fil-A opening games, in my opinion. That was going to be one, uh, there was a situation that was going to happen this year where North Carolina, they were going to be able to play UCF in week one, I think, and then Auburn in week two. And that was the path that I thought they were going to have to potentially be a national contender. Whereas otherwise, I didn't think that they were going to be able to get enough beef on their schedule. And uh, it, But it was also a situation where Central Florida, for the first time, like they were going to have an opportunity to play big time opponents in week one, week two, and maybe bolster their resume. As it turns out, they weren't that type of team this year. Tennessee was going to play at Oklahoma September 12th. Uh, What else? So you got the usual like Notre Dame, USC. Those, I guess, are the big games that I was looking forward to. But yeah, that that whole Ohio State going to Oregon in week two, that was going to be really fun to see. I'm a big Jersey guy, not New Jersey all due respect to Rutgers, but I'm a big guy of turning a game on, hitting mute, and just watching the nice pretty colors move around the field. No different than your grandma in a lot of ways. Uh, She and I have that in common, so that would have been a really good jersey game. Uh, Speaking of, before I get too sidetracked and move on, um, you know, I'm a a big Iowa State guy, so I was pulling for them in the Fiesta Bowl. They pulled the Ramen Noodle Express through, and we are right now 60.1% against the spread on the season, at Late Kick Josh, by the way, on Twitter for those picks. However, there was one 
big, big issue I had with Iowa State and and big issue that I have, period, with teams that overthink the room. Iowa State, I think their yellow and red is one of the best color combinations for a uniform in college football. And so naturally, on the biggest stage that the program has ever been on, the Fiesta Bowl the other night, they wore all black. How do you screw that up? You're not Army. You're not Army West. That's fine if Army wears all black. That's their color scheme. You have an absolute foolproof color combination. It's hard to screw up yellow and red. I mean, why do you think Hulk Hogan opted for those colors? Uh, McDonald's, they seem to have marketing pretty well figured out. Imagine going to McDonald's tomorrow and the sign's black. You know what? There's a reason when Hulk Hogan turned heel in the late 90s and went to the NWO, they put him in all black. That's not good. It's not good. When you change the color scheme on your uniform to all black, it's supposed to signify that, you know, you've gone to a dark place in your mind. The yellow and the red, it's nice. It's happy. It's cheerful. It's optimistic. Now, here's why I can't complain about this too much, because Iowa State wore all black. And as it turns out, I mean, it was, what, what did Scott Cochran say once upon a time? They wore black because they were going to Oregon's funeral. Now, back in the day, I don't know if some of you guys remember this, back in 08, when it was going to be Bama versus Georgia, uh, Bama was going into Athens. Georgia was going to wear all black. Uh, the folks in the South very well remember this. Strength and conditioning guy at the time for Alabama, who now works at Georgia, Scott Cochran, was caught on a live microphone saying, yeah, they're wearing black because they're going to their own funeral. I did my own self-editing there. And so uh, it was kind of a reverse effect in the Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State wore black. They were going to Oregon's funeral. They ran it up. All right, so uh, I know that normally we go at least 30 minutes, but it's a very busy morning here. I got to record Will Fong. I've got to record a show for tonight because uh, I'm still down in Georgia. And we got an editorial meeting. So got a lot to get to. Uh, obviously, we have got plenty to talk about. We got a national championship game coming up. We got Late Kick Live coming up tonight. So we've got a ton to discuss and we've got an entire off season too. So this inbox, it's filling up with questions. Oh, it will, it will be emptied. I promise you that. So until then, for producer Jordan on the podcast side of things, I'm Josh Pate. This has been Late Kick Extra. Thanks so much. Have a great morning and God bless. Monday. Federal agents! Hands where we can see them! NCIS Hawaii is back. To set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 